we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time that I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for joining us today. My guest today is John Reeder, who's the head assistant coach for the Wisconsin Badgers. He was also a national champion back in his competitive days. Now, before we get into the episode, two service announcements. The first is we're investing heavily to improve the audio quality of the podcast. That's not reflected on this interview, but it will be on interviews next week moving forward. The second is we're investing heavily as well into the website. We're going to be updating the site, adding merchandise, adding videos, adding new content. So keep an eye out for that. And that's wrestlingchangemylife.org. That's where you can find all past episodes of the show. Now, Without further ado, let's take you to this interview with John Reeder in Madison, Wisconsin. Let's do it, man. So you're back. Uh, you're back from your travels, man. Where were you just at? I so I just got back. Literally just stepped off of uh, a flight from uh, California. So I spent a couple of days in New Hampshire on the East Coast, and I flew directly over to California. I was in Southern California uh, doing a couple camps in each location. So a um, little bit busy, but man. Been a been a uh, a really neat couple of days. So what's it like going to these schools? You know, representing the Big Ten, man. And you know, do you enjoy doing those those types of camps? Oh, uh, you know what? And I, I truly believe uh, I enjoy it. I really, really enjoy doing camps and clinics all throughout the country all summer long. Um, you know, we're in the business of impacting kids, and uh, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I, I get to meet some really neat people that that are influencers and, and, and people that impact these kids. And every time I go to, uh, you know, a clinic or a camp, wherever it is, I feel like, I, you know, I keep my family gets a little bit bigger, you know, and a prime example of that is the last two camps I've, I've done uh, the last couple of days. These people are so, uh, they're, they're just amazing people. They're impacting these kids. And, um, you know, we built a really good relationship right away. And, and these are these are people I love to be around, and it, it was a lot of fun. So I actually got to spend uh, the last couple of days at both camps with Coach Bono as well. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of energy, and um, you get the, the two of us together. It's a lot of energy, so it was fun. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Coach Bono's the man, and you know, powerful Coach Bono. That was a great conversation we had. Now, when you're out there with these camps, how much of it is doing house calls with the kids versus getting the high school coaches in your corner? versus, yeah, I guess I don't, I didn't really do the camps as well. So like, how does that kind of play out between those different, uh, different angles there? 
Yeah. So, so a little bit of, of, about kind of how our summers are, you know, there, there's, there's, we're recruiting across the country, um, you know, different competitions, but there's also times that we're, we're asked to come to clinics or, or camps at different locations. And, um, you know, obviously that's another avenue for us to be able to, to bring that motion W or that big Wisconsin W to different locations around the country and let people know kind of a little bit more about what we're all about. And, uh, we love impacting kids, and it's been a lot of fun kind of telling them our story and, and, and getting them exposed to the university, really. So it's been a lot of fun. I can't even imagine the excitement those kids have when they walk out of the practice, you and Coach Bono. It's infectious, man, and, and that's probably why you like working with the guy so much. Yeah, absolutely. He's the best. There's nobody better. <laughs> now, you guys spent uh, four years at South Dakota. I know you were there for four years. You got to a program that was, you know, about as unknown as they could be. And now, you know, when you left, they were a perennial top 15. Talk to us about the transition from South Dakota State to Wisconsin. Yeah, you know what? It's been absolutely unbelievable. Um, the last year, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. I'll tell you what, it's been absolutely awesome. And it's everything we wanted it to be. Um, this last year, it's, it, it's come with its own hurdles and, and, and challenges. I, I, I won't... Uh, I won't lie about that, but I think the last kind of 12 months we spent, you know, a good chunk of that time trying to get the, you know, in a sense, trying to get the right guys on the bus and the right seats and the wrong guys off the bus, right? And um, I think that, uh, that's with any – Saban, you watched that one, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I saw that, and it really hit home. I saw Coach Saban say that. And I, You know, it couldn't hit home for more for what we – kind of the last 12 months, what we – um, trying to change a culture. And then, like any culture change, there's going to be guys that like to – um, that or are they're they're hungry for that change, and there's also going to be guys that kind to kind of rebel against that. So, um, again, change is hard for a lot of people, and couldn't be uh, a polar opposite coaching styles and and staff uh, from the last staff. So, again, like I said, there's there was challenges right away, and um, I can promise you, um, the program's at the best standpoint it's ever been, and you know it's a it's a really good feeling when um like listen any any good program the leaders got to be committed to doing the right things all the time right and the guys that we have in that program the guys that we have in that program right now uh, and the guys that are starting to merge and rise as leaders those guys do the right things every single day and uh we're super proud of them and it's taken you know it's taken a, a good chunk of time to get everybody on board and get them in the right direction but man we're we're super fired up uh coach bono and i were just together today talking about it just fired up for this season to get here it can't get here quick enough amen man and I, i'm just jones and myself here we got the world's coming up and then it's kind of a, a lull then we're back into the to the swing of things now before we go back to your career because obviously you were a you know a national champion and had a storied career you know when you guys came from south dakota wisconsin you came like right away and you guys were even living in a hotel together just you and coach bono how long were you guys there for you know, we were there for for fifty some days, I, I believe, uh, together in a in a hotel room. And you know, for for me and him, that's no problem. You know, that's no problem. And most people would be like, "Wow, that's 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 got to be a challenge in its own." Um, and it really wasn't. We're we're, we're so close. Um, they, the guy's my best friend, so it, it was easy. You know, we were so motivated to get our our feet on the ground, and and we were just hungry. We were hungry. Um, to get this program going. So we were fired up to get here. Um, the transition for our families has been seamless. Um, Madison is an unbelievable town to live in. 
Um, you know, I, I'll put this college town up against any college town in the country. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an elite level athletic school, academic school at the heart of the city. And then you have infinite, you know, you have infinite options to kind of find your niche within Madison, which is really neat. You know, as a young uh, parent, I got two, two kids and it's been amazing to, to help, uh, you know, my kids have opportunities around, you know, whatever they want to do. You know, it's it's great for them. So a lot of opportunities for them. And uh, Madison, the transition has been smooth. It's been real smooth. It's an unbelievable college town. And if you really want that that Big Ten feel, which, of course, the guys you're recruiting, you probably don't care that much about it. They're so narrow, uh, so lasered in and focused. But, man, like the just the environment there is so fun. Now, I'd love to understand what it was like for you guys those first 50 days. So if you can think back to the hotel. Like what were you oh, doing? Yeah. Like? What time were you guys waking up? What were you doing during the day? And you know, how long were you working? Like, what, what was that like? Yeah, it, it was like clockwork. It was like clockwork. Obviously, a lot of it was a little bit of a blur just because there was so much information being thrown at you, you know, trying to figure out um, just kind of our place and where we're at, and what, you know, who, who are the people to talk to, who, who is in control of this, um, just kind of really getting all the information in front of us and, and kind of filtering, you know, what's important and, and kind of organizing where we want to do or what we wanted to do and scheduling. And I mean, we, we got on campus and two weeks later, the U S open was happening. So it was, it was, you know, full tilt the second we got there, but it was pretty much clockwork as far as uh, timing. I mean, we would get up at four 30 and we'd work until it was done. And if that meant it was 8 PM, if that meant it was 11 PM, we were going to do it. Right. You know, we weren't going to wait till the next day to get it. Yeah. We, we weren't going to wait till it was the next day to get it done. So that's just kind of our personality. Every day was, all right, we're waking up at 4.30, we're getting to the office, we're going to work out, and we're going to meet our guys over there once they, they arrive, and we're going to attack the day. And that was that was kind of how it was for 50-some days, you know, and all all the while, our wives were back in Brookings, and they were taking care of the kids, they were getting everything organized, they were finding houses, so it, it was um, it was a team effort, that, that's for sure. And how did you come to, um, how did you come to hire uh, Coach McDonough? I mean, how- how did, how did that all come about? Yeah, so um, Coach Bono, actually, we tried to get uh, Matt over at South Dakota State um, a year or two prior, and it just kind of wasn't the right time for Matt at the, at the moment. Um, you know, and again, it, it presented itself. We, we, take, we took that, uh, that change over to Wisconsin, and you know what? We, we, we called Matt and said, hey, listen, we got this opportunity. How about you come check it out? And, you know, and the, kind of the rest is the history. Not too far away from his family, and um, obviously an elite level school and um, a lot of, you know, just a very exciting opportunity for a pretty young coach himself. And he took the, uh, the trip, trip up. And, and the funny part is coach Bono and I, it, essentially it was a recruiting visit for Matt, right? So me and Chris, we were only on campus for maybe a week, two weeks, right? So we're trying to, we're, you know, we're, we're recruiting a guy to the university to be on the coaching staff. And we really didn't know where, you know, we didn't really know anything about the city yet either. So it was, it was kind of unique, you know, it was all, all three of us were trying to, you know, figure it out as we were going together. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. As you mentioned, you're, you are have a dresser of your own, right? You have probably one of the most memorable NCAA championship pictures of all time. But if we go way back, you know, how did you get involved with the sport and what were you like as a kid? Shoot, you know, if we go way back, I started about seven, seven years old. My, I had an older brother who's, who's nine, who was nine at the time, so he's two years older than me. I started when I was seven years old, 
Uh, we grew up right outside of Detroit in a town called Lapeer, Michigan. And um, I, I just remember the elementary school that I was in, they had a program that was starting up, and I just so happened to be seven years old. And uh, they they were passing out flyers in the in the elementary school, and I remember bringing that flyer back home and um, showing mom and dad, and, and dad jumped up and he jumped at it, you know, in a second because he, he wrestled in high school. I had an uncle that wrestled in high school. My mom's brother also wrestled at Bloomsburg. Um, so the wrestling is a little bit trickled through the family. So when I brought that flyer home from from the elementary school and it said, hey, we're starting up a you know a youth program here in the pier. Um, these are the times, these are the details. And I brought it home. I really didn't know anything about wrestling, but said, Hey, here's a flyer the teacher gave me, check it out. Next thing you know, we're at the local, uh, Lapeer Raptors wrestling practice and kind of the rest is history. You know, I started out in, um, MMA or MMWA, which was the, the youth league in, in Michigan. And, uh, I would do that during the season and I kind of was in an eight and under division to start out and, in the off season, we were we were wrestling in AAU, so um, the opportunities were there, and um, very fortunate that you know I, I brought that flyer home. Yeah, I mean it, it's crazy to think what would have happened if you didn't. Um, and now, were you a kind of an athletic guy, a confident kid, or did that kind of develop through wrestling? Yeah, you know, I think I was always a physical kid. I always kind of just a lot of energy, and I had an older brother too that I think. Uh, he, he's a lot to give some credit to the one that was making me a little bit tougher. You know, I always had, you know, that older brother goes oh, yeah. beat up a little oh, bit, yeah. but uh, yeah. So when we first got out to the, to the wrestling, you know, there was, there was not too many people that were there for that local youth club and it kind of got bigger and bigger as each year went. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about people that impact your life and, and people that do it voluntarily, you know, those youth coaches that, that were at Lapeer, Michigan, Julius Medina, when I grew up and, um, those guys, those guys impacted my life, right? They changed my life. They, they made me enjoy wanting to come to practice as a seven-year-old um, and, and, and learn to fall in love with the sport. I really learned to fall in love in the sport from those guys. And those guys couldn't, couldn't uh, thank them enough, you know, selfless, you know, just volunteering their time. Those guys weren't paid to be there. Um, so, yeah. Man, you, you hit it on the nail there because – I have some friends that run high school teams here in Chicago and my brother and I were talking about maybe volunteering, but then you think, man, that is such a time commitment and I don't want to do it unless I'm all the way in. Cause that's you kind of at a tough time of the day, three thirty to five thirty. But then you think those club coaches, they're away from their families three, four nights a week, right at peak family time, like six thirty to eight. Right. So, I mean, absolutely. It's crazy, the commitment from a coach. You don't realize it until you get older, how much time yep. these guys put in, let alone every Saturday. Right, um, let alone that. Not only the practice part of things, I, I remember vividly going to national tournaments for AAU as you know a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid with those coaches and my parents. We'd all kind of caravan, whether it was down to Tulsa or whether it was over to you know whatever tournament it may have been. Those guys were right there with us. Those guys were the, our coaches, and they, they made the trip with us those guys weren't getting paid to drive from michigan to tulsa oklahoma you know it's just uh, <laughs> when you look back when you look back on it you know that's kind of what i'm allu i was alluding to alluding to earlier about you know i'm very fortunate i i considered a perk and a, a you know just a blessing to be able to impact those kids because that's what i had growing up i had i had people that cared that wanted to teach me to be a good person that wanted uh, to teach me how to 
be committed to not only being a good person, but just committed to being a good wrestler and being, you know, as best I could possibly be in school. So, um, yeah, those guys um, were awesome. I mean, and that definitely shaped who, you know, shaped who you are now. Now, you were on an absolute dream team in high school, Davidson, Michigan, uh, three NCAA champs on one high school team, uh, Paul Donahoe, and then Brett Metcalf. Now, were those guys around this youth club growing up? You know what? So we all kind of came from different different areas. I, I believe Brent came from Goodrich, Michigan. I, I was from Lapeer, and uh, I want to say Paul Donahoe was from Le, from Goodrich as well. So uh, I actually did not move to Davis until I was in eighth grade. My brother was going going into his junior year in high school. So. Um, you know, my dad, we, my dad, uh, listen, my dad, no matter what, my mom and dad were the two guys, two people that impacted my life the most, just kind of going back again. I, I came from a very blue collar family. Um, you know, dad worked all day long. Mom stayed at home with us and raised the kids and, you know, just a hard working family. And, um, you know, dad, uh, dad, dad, you know, gave, gave us the opportunities when he could, he was giving us the opportunities to go to tournaments. You know, the weekends weren't, you know, spent at home. We were on the road trying. He gave us the opportunities to get better. So, you know, mom and dad always put the kids at, they, they put us first. They wanted us to have the opportunities to be the best we possibly could be. And that meant, you know, every weekend we were at a tournament. And I really, truly believe it pays off in the end. And um, But those guys were from a different program than I. So we all moved in. Uh, at, a, at a later time, my dad, again, gave me an opportunity when I was seven years old or uh, seven, in the seventh grade to move to Davidson, Michigan. And, um, you know, that kind of changed my life again right there. You know, another opportunity to be around a great coach, Roy Hall and Kent Elliott, both college wrestlers. Kent, Kent Elliott wrestled at, at Louisiana State back when they had a program and Roy mm-hmm. Hall wrestled at Michigan State. So two Division One wrestlers were my high school coaches, right? So. My dad was, he was always trying to get us around, you know, he, he understood that he wasn't very knowledgeable in the sport, right? So he wanted to get us around, you know, people that could teach us and people that could impact us, whether that was going to, you know, a town 30 minutes away or an hour away, it didn't matter. You know, we were always somewhere Monday through Friday and, and tournaments on Saturday and Sunday. So we kind of got around Roy and Kent when I was um, a little bit younger and, you know, the opportunity or you know, came up that my parents could move to Davison and they moved to Davison in my seventh and eighth grade year and the rest is history. So, um, again, yeah. very, very blessed to have been a part of that program. It, it really taught me, um, as a high schooler, as a high schooler, kind of what I was saying before, how to be committed to being the best I could be in the wrestling room, in the classroom and being a good person. So that, that transition to college is, it was, it wasn't as hard as some of these kids you're seeing today. Um, you know, that, that, that transition from high school to college is difficult for some kids because they're not used to that. You know, they're not mm-hmm. used to that. It's an everyday commitment to being the best version of yourself. And, um, I, I got preached that from a young age from my, from my parents and then right into high school and from high school, right into college, from college, right into me trying to be a coach and impact these kids. So it's, uh, it's been seamless in a way. So. Well, I think it's probably because you know, you live the right life and yet you do the things each and every day and you're, man, if I ever need a boost of motivation, I just go to your Twitter, man. <laughs> the things you're putting out are, uh, man, it is, it's awesome. And I can only imagine how your kids feel 
Now, before we jump forward, I, I got to know, you, what was uh, what was Metcalf like in high school, man? Because he was kind of a mythical figure growing up, um, and I was quite a bit younger. But, you know, was he uh, as, as focused and possessed as people say even back then? Yeah, you bet. You bet. And uh, not only Brent, but Paul was the same way. And not only Paul, but there was 10 to 15 other guys in that room that at one point in time, they were all in Division One wrestling. You know, I, I remember years – you know, for years, I mean, we were winning state titles and, you know, every year there'd be four or five guys go to a division one program, whether it was in state or out of state. Uh, and that was an every, every year occurrence. And it was, it wasn't something out of the normal for four or five guys to go to a division one program. So I was from a young age as an incoming eighth grader, I was, I seen what these guys were doing. They were putting me under their wing and saying, Hey, this is what you got to do. Brent, you're going to do them full maximal effort. And you're going you're gonna to show up 15 minutes before practice. You're going to do this. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. Follow my lead. And, um, you know, there was a lot of guys in that room that um, just outside of us three that were really, really talented. So it was, again, like I, I, I had a lot of examples in that room. And how did you get to Iowa State? I'm sure there were school, a lot of schools knocking on your door. Like, who were some of the ones you were considering outside of Iowa State? And how did you end up getting there? So – Kind of a, a long story short, my five schools that I had had it down to were Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Virginia Tech when, when uh, Coach Brands was down at Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, it, it, all five schools, I was interested in all five schools. But a little bit back, when I was a senior in high school, you know, and, and even earlier than that, I always had my dad, you know, he subscribed to the Win Magazine, to, to Amateur Wrestling News. And I always, you know, loved flipping through the magazine, looking at the pictures. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really understand college wrestling yet. I didn't really know the figureheads. Um, so I was always, it was really cool to see the pictures in there. And there always seemed to be Iowa State wrestlers all over in these in these magazines. You know, it was it was Chris Bono. It was Joe Heskett. It was the Sanderson brothers. It was Derek Monsieur. It was, it was Nate Gallick. It was Kurt Backus. It was all those guys, Nick Pasolano. It was all those guys that, you know, you've seen getting their hand raised in these magazines. And I always I always saw Iowa State all the time, um, you know, and it was kind of surreal when I was a junior in high school and I got my first call from, from Bobby Douglas, and who was a legend in his own right. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of fast forward, I started to get recruited by Coach Bono when he was at Iowa State. The staff, when I started getting recruited by Iowa State, it was Coach Douglas. He was the head coach. And his right man, right hand man was was Coach Bono, right? So, and his assistant there was was Kale at the time. Kale had just won an uh, an Olympic title, right? And obviously, everybody in the wrestling world, you know, Kale was was the the big name at the time, you know, and still mm-hmm. is. But that was, you know, it was kind of a un unbelievable staff, and um, you know, so I was getting, I, I started to build a relationship with Coach Bono, and as I committed. When I committed to Iowa State, that kind of uh, – that staff dissolved, right? So when I committed to Iowa State as an incoming freshman, Bobby Douglas retired. Coach Bono took a job over at Tennessee Chattanooga, and Kale Sanderson took over as a head coach, right? So essentially I got recruited by one full staff, and then I came in as a freshman. Kale took over as a head coach. Um, and then I have obviously had Kale for three years. My junior mm-hmm. year, Coach Bono, coach Bono and Coach Jackson – um, were, were there my junior year. So, um, 
yeah, so it, it was it, like it was a whirlwind. I'm not gonna lie, it was a whirlwind. And you know, you were getting recruited by all five schools. All all of them were were special in their own way. But it was something about Iowa State. When I stepped foot on that campus, I knew I could win a national title there. And um, you know, looking back now, I, I wouldn't change anything just because you know the road it led me on is to where I'm at right now. And I, you know, who knows if I would have went down a different route if I'd be where I'm at? Because I'm I'm, uh, I absolutely love where I'm at in life right now. We're happy. I met my wife at Iowa State, and uh, we're having a blast. So, man, things yeah, are coming you know, together right now. I mean, yeah, and if you had gone to Virginia Tech, if you'd have gone to Virginia Tech, you probably would have had to transfer soon anyway because of that whole, that whole. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's always a blessing in disguise, and I, I truly believe I had essentially three different head coaches in my college career. You know, so I had Coach Douglas. I had uh, Gail Sanderson and I have Kevin Jackson. Those are the three head coaches and numerous assistant coaches along the way. So as as a athlete, I, I truly looked at it as a blessing. I, I got to be exposed to a lot of really, really good, um, just really good wrestlers in the sport and people that really taught me skills that, um, that helped me a ton, you know, and obviously – uh, my, my relationship started when I was a senior with Coach Bono when he started to recruit me just a little bit, and then he left. My junior year, he comes back to Iowa State, and that's where we hit it off, you know. Um, that's that's where me and Coach Bono built our relationship. Was it, it Really, it started my junior year of college. Who outside of Coach Bono was a big influence on you when you were at Iowa State? Because, you know, I know Nick Sandorf was there. He was part of that number one class, I believe, and he was an Illinois guy. And so there are probably so many studs there, the Paulsons. Like, who um, who were the big influences on you there outside of the coaches, obviously? Yeah, so you, you made a great point. So that was a big reason why I also committed to Iowa State, too. The 2005 recruiting class, I was in the class of 2006. In the 2005 recruiting class, Iowa State was ranked number one. They had the number one recruiting class, Bobby or Coach Douglas and Coach Bono and Kale, they all had the number one recruiting class coming in in that 2005 class. So that was really attractive for me as an incoming freshman. I wanted to be a part of the, something special. I wanted to be I wanted to be a team that was that was challenging for a trophy. So I, I saw what the potential could be at Iowa State. And um, but the day I stepped foot on campus, I'll never forget stories like this and people that really influenced you. Obviously, I had a really a lot of uh, examples in that room between Barner and between Fanthorpe, Gallic, between all those names in that 2005 class and, and above. But I'll never forget one small example. I remember as an incoming freshman, and this guy was a senior on his way out, Nick Casalano. Okay, and one name that is, you know he's a Cyclone great, didn't accomplish his goals, didn't wasn't an All American, but I think was a blood round three or four times, and. Um, he was one guy that he always took me under his wing and always made me do extra after practice. And, and something that as an incoming freshman, as an incoming freshman, you need that. You need that arm around you and you need to be impacted in a positive way and, and say, hey, listen, this is how you're going to do it. You know, this is, you're, you're going to do, you know, five extra sprints with me or you're going to come in on Sunday and you're going to drill for 30 minutes. We're going we're gonna to work on your, your, your single leg or whatever it might be. You know, and that as uh me personally, that's what I love. I love, I love that. I love that structure. I love that discipline, and um, yeah, I love that grind. You know, I feel like that's yeah. My, I'm my best version of myself when I'm I'm living in that grind. And you, I mean, you say that a lot too. You mention a, a lot on Twitter about you know the willingness to sacrifice and and knowing that you have to go to those uh, go to those certain places. And 
you know, I can only imagine coming off of your junior year, you know, you were an All-American your freshman year, All-American your sophomore year, your junior year, from what I read, injured and didn't place. And, but, I mean, obviously you won your senior year, so you put it back together. But I'm just curious, those months in, like, April, May after your junior year had to be, had to be a tough time for you. Like, talk us through that. I mean, where were you at mentally, and how did you kind of get back on the horse and turn it around to go 39-0 your senior year? Yeah. I'll tell you what, it was, it was a dark place. It really was. It was, um, I'll never forget the feeling because it was, it was dark. You know, you go from, uh, being a top three, you know, seed in a tournament with a chance to win the national title and guys that you would beat that year that won it. Um, you know, and you kind of circumstances didn't allow you to, to accomplish your goal. Um, that month or two after it was really, you had to dig down deep and, and say, listen, you know, let's put our foot forward and let's get, let's get back on the horse. And, and that's what I did. And I had a lot of guys around me, um, like Varner and, you know, like Bono. Bono was one of my main training partners. People don't understand that. That guy was training his butt off. That guy had trained until he was, shoot, it felt like he was 50, but he, uh, that dude, he trained <laughs> forever. He trained forever, man. He was, he was, uh, he was one of my main training partners and he, uh, he told me, and he was like I said, he, he's my best friend, and it started from my junior year. Um, he said, "Listen, it's not over. You have another opportunity. All you can ask for is an opportunity. You get back out there, you get healthy, and that was that was step number one. I got healthy, and and uh, the next opportunity in front of me was to make a university world team. So I, I had another goal in mind. The next best thing for the summer was to make a university world team, and uh, and I ended up doing that. So." Um, having, having guys like coach Bono and guys on the team that said, Hey, listen, you know, pick you back up and pick your, pick your, pick your, uh, your partner back up and let's go. So. And it's like just one, one day at a time, right? I mean, your first step was get healthy. I right? just get healthy. And then from there, it's I right, refocus your goals. And so does goal setting play a big, big part on, on your daily life now and even how you run your program as a coach? Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Coach Bono and I are we're, we're big time believers in having a plan. When we wake up, we're we can't wait to get to the office and get going. You know, it's uh, there's there's a goal in mind, and, and, and every day we're trying to get you know this program one step further than what it was the day before. So absolutely, goal setting is a major part of our lives, and um, absolutely and very very important. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, your energy is just. It's just crazy. I, I love it. I'm telling you, if you were a, <laughs> you're a high school kid, I don't know how you can't be um, intrigued by the program. Now, what do you guys look for in a recruit? You know what? That's funny. I, I get asked that all the time. And, you know, we are looking for kids that, uh, that want to compete. They want to compete. But not only do they want to compete, they want to be good people. We want guys that are committed, that are committed to being a good person, to being committed to in the classroom. And, and guys that are committed to living the right lifestyle. And um, we, we talk about hustle and effort and attitude every day um, in our program. And, and that's kind of the staple and foundation of our program is doing the right things. We want guys that are committed to doing the right things. And uh, well, you don't have to be a four-time state champ. No, you, you, right. We want a guy that's committed, that treats people right, is a good you know, representative of the university and the community, and uh, is willing to compete and compete his butt off. I mean, and whew, the motivation you must get out of these guys is uh, is insane. Now, before we kind of move into some more rapid-fire questions, I've sourced some 
some from some friends up here in Chicago. I'd love to know, you know, you're in Wisconsin. Um, you know, ben Askren, huge name in that state. I know he's on the RTC staff for you guys. What have you learned from him over the past uh, year, year and a half, whatever it's been? Yeah, Ben. Ben is great. Ben is Ben is really uh, great. He's in a complete opposite kind of, uh, you know, Coach Bono and I are kind of, uh, you know, intense, if you want to say. Um, and Ben is, you know, Ben is. I don't think he uh, he gets too excited for anything, and he's just very calm and um, he's very precise. He's very intelligent. Um, I love being around him. I think he's a he's a he's a genius when it when it comes to the to every aspect of his life. I, I learn a little bit about him. Every time I'm around him, and I'm very impressed every time I'm around him. Um, it's been it's been a really good relationship we built with with Max and Ben, and um, it, it's exciting. The future is very bright. He's doing one heck of a job in our regional training center. Um, the impact he's already had in 12 months has been has been insane. And we went from zero athletes to eight athletes, and we're we're fully funding wow. our 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 eight athletes. You know, to to their main goal is to to win world and Olympic titles and, and to help our college athletes. So can't ask for a better situation with, with Ben and man, we, we are, we're super excited to be partnered up with Ben. And what he's doing with his, uh, with just the state of Wisconsin, you look at the numbers at Fargo and he's really making guys love the sport. You know, I love his oh, philosophy yeah. on like, he doesn't even allow kids to practice more than a couple times a week unless they're in middle school or, or something like that. And, you know, he doesn't allow kids to weight cut. I mean, he's doing it the right way. And I just – I wish there were more clubs out there like that because, man, what a what a great uh, person to have working with your kids, getting them ready for the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's part of his curriculum and his, and his academies. I, I really be, I believe that. And he understands that. He's a very, very high-level thinker, a very high-level wrestler. Um, and he understands that. Listen, at seven and eight years old, these kids do not need to be pushed, and uh, the motivation from their parents don't don't doesn't need to be on the wrong thing. It needs to be on, hey, listen, let's love the sport. Let's love for these guys to come into practice and learn. Let's let them love to want to come and be around their teammates and and be excited to come to two practice. So, absolutely, he's doing a phenomenal job. He's very successful. He's got three clubs around the state of Wisconsin, and the impact that he's had on the state of Wisconsin has been. It's been insane. All you know, some of the best and most talented kids in Wisconsin are from his programs. No question. And then, you know, right, the academy scene right now is really exciting. You got overtime in Chicago, which was one of the one of the OGs, and you got I can't I can never remember the name of the club out in Minnesota, but this is just yep, my own pinnacle. general <laughs> pinnacle. Yep. And this is just my own general wonderment. Outside of Wisconsin, what are some of the other hotbeds for you, or is it just kind of Anything goes. I'm just curious if there's any states that have kind of bubbled up as Badger favorites in your first year outside of the the home state, obviously. Yeah, you bet. You know, uh, when it, when it comes to recruiting, I, I I truly believe RW goes countrywide. It doesn't matter. It, these pockets are in in every which area of the country in every state. It doesn't matter. It could be Pennsylvania. It could be all the way over in California. It could be down in Texas. It could be all the way up in in North Dakota. We just got a kid from North Dakota last year, and. Um, mm-hmm. We, it, it, it is it is great to be able to be in every conversation when it comes to these recruits. But, no, I agree. These these clubs, the elite-level clubs that these kids are exposed to at a young age is truly transforming um, what what USA is able to do. And you're seeing that on these age-level teams, the U15s the, uh, or the U16s and the junior level, and, the, and it's transforming into medals at the world level. And I think it's all kind of trickling down from, 
are trickling up from these um, from these clubs. You know, these yeah. kids are are being they're being formed and being raised in these clubs a lot, like um, Askren Academy or the Young Guns or the Pinnacles or or whatever it may be around the country. And then they're getting into, you know, the middle schools, the high schools, and then the high schools, and they're, they're winning medals. They're winning medals, which is exciting. I think this is a great era for USA. No question. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and just a couple of more kind of rapid-fire questions, if you will, that I've sourced some from some buddies up here, and then we'll wind things down. Is that okay, Coach? Yes, sir. All right, so the first one is <laughs> give us an example of how – and when I say lowly, I don't mean in a negative way, but like how lowly was the state of wrestling at South Dakota State? I mean, what? give us some examples of how you kind of bare bones you guys were starting with when you got out there. Because I don't think people realize just how, uh, how kind of uh, bare bones it was, so to speak. When it, when it comes to what we were working with as a university or just kind of the state as a whole? Like just like the fans and like like how many were coming and like what and like what what was the progress you guys were able to make over those four years? Because I think it's truly one of the great comeback stories in, in college wrestling that you guys turned that program around to a top fifteen. And when you got yeah. there, had they even ever had an All American? You know what? They hadn't had an All American yet, and um, you know the fan base wow. was you know a couple hundred maybe. Um, they had a lot of history in Division Two. You know they had a lot of Division Two history, and they they had a lot of success. Um, once they transfer, trans, uh, transferred over to Division One, you know, that's where they kind of started to struggle. Fan base, they're very, uh, very passionate fans in, in Brookings, South Dakota. So they were, they were, they wanted that, they wanted that good wrestling program to be there. Um, and, and those, pa those, those passionate fans were throughout the state. Now, when we got there, I'm very, very blessed that I started my coaching career at South Dakota State because it truly, it, it showed me how to be a better coach. It really did. It showed me how to wear 10 different hats, whether it was, I was an, we, you know, Coach Vaughn and I were at one point, we we're the only two guys on staff. And um, it was, listen, we're, we're, we are an extension of the marketing program. We're an extension of the, of, uh, you know, the ticket office, whatever it may be. You know, we, we, we were out trying to raise money. How do we, how do we get this program to the next level? How do we keep continuing to promote this program? and get it exposed to kids across the country. Um, and, and Coach Bono did an unbelievable job of branding that program from the bottom up, from the ashes, to what it was at top 12 in the country on year six. And we were just starting to see kind of the, the, the fruit come to the top of, of uh, you know, year five and six. We were starting to get really, really good recruits into South Dakota State. And, um, but, it, but it wasn't easy. I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. You know, we had to figure out 10 different ways to get a yes. And it was, you know, how do we, how do we figure <laughs> this out? How do we, how do we grind this out, figure it out? And, you know, like I said, trying to get that program better each day was, it was a struggle a little bit, but man, it was a lot of fun being able to learn for four years. And really that blue collar, that hardworking attitude that we had at South Dakota State, we train. We, we bring that over to Wisconsin, and it's been unbelievable. In year one, we've had so a drastic changes in year one in this program that this program has never seen before. Um, so it's very very exciting. The future's bright, but man, that that time at South Dakota State, we we, we truly uh, we, were, we were blessed with the opportunity to be there. And was it a hard conversation to get the 
to get your wife to want to move to South Dakota? Or was she on board the whole time? You know, my wife is 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 amazing. You know, I, I'm biased, but I I truly believe my wife is the best wife in the in the country, man. She is. She's been with me through the low. She's been through the lows of my career and through the highs of my career, and she's been there since day one. And um, you know, she is. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. She's always been. All right, let's go. You know, let's figure it out. Let's let's do it. You know, I know I know this is what you want. This is your passion, and I'm on board. You know, it's never been a no. It's always been let's go. So it's been. It's been a, a great ride, and she's been there all, you know, right next to my side the whole way. And, um, you know, our families, me and the Bonos and, and our family are very, very close. Um, we go on family vacation every year together, and it's it's been a wow. it's been very easy for me to go to work every day. You know, when you got your best friend sitting at work and like, hey, how do how, let's go grind this out, man? Let's go let's go get this program better. When you're building a program, you want your guys around you. You want guys that you enjoy going to work with. When I'm talking about your staff, you want guys that you love to go to war with, man. And then in, in Bono is that guy. I mean, can't speak highly enough about him. I told you he's my best friend and do anything for him. And, and every, in, every, um, in every which way, I trust him with everything. And so it's been, a, it's been a heck of a ride. And he's given me an opportunity since I was a junior in high school. And, or junior in college and it's been a lot of fun to be next to him and learn from him and like you said he the guy is uh he's just been an unbelievable mentor to me and you know he's taken me into his immediate family with whether it's his dad and mom and brother and sister i feel like i his family is my family you know i talk to his family just as much as he does probably and uh for the listeners coach bono was on the podcast i think it's number 28 it is the most downloaded podcast ever Definitely go give that uh, a listen. That is that is worth every uh, every second of it. I appreciate that. And the thing that strikes me about that one is how different your freshman years in college were. Because I mean, you came from a powerhouse program, and he came from a school in you know at the time Florida, you know, wasn't as you know well known as it is now. And he really struggled and had some of those moments coming through there that shaped who he was. And sounds like you maybe had some of those same moments, but later in college. Um, but regardless, man, it was a great podcast, and yeah, that's obviously how we got in touch. I gotta ask about this one, and then second to last question here. But I noticed you uh, you threw up a picture with Chris D'Elia. I'm obsessed with Chris D'Elia. I mean, who are some of the who are some of the comedians that you like? And did, did, was did you get to talk to him at all? Or was it just some kind of random? That, uh, that's you know, a that's a funny part? story. That is a funny story. So. A uh, little bit about how that happened. So we are on our way back from the NCAA tournament, I believe. This is back in March. And we're on the way back from the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I got a great relationship with our guys on the team. And, and you know, Evan Wick is a guy that likes to listen to comedians. And he's he's pretty funny guy. And, you know, he, he's always talking about this Chris D'Elia guy. Well, I start following this Chris D'Elia guy a couple months prior. You know, and he's got some funny stuff. Funny stuff and, um Fast forward, March, we're on our way back from the NCAA tournament, and we're in the Atlanta airport. We make it to our gate, and I, I, I want to go get a water or whatever in the little convenience store. So I walk over to the convenience store, and I'm by myself, and I walk in, and I had just watched a video from this clip, Chris D'Elia. He just put it up on his social media, and I literally walked over to get a water, and he's standing inside of this convenience store. I'm like, no way. No way that's that guy. So... You know, and I, I went up to Chris and I was like, hey, man, do you do you mind grabbing a picture? Uh, you know, I, I think your stuff's pretty funny. And, 
you know, he was an unbelievable guy, very, very genuine, very open to take a picture. And uh, it was funny. And then I took that picture, I, you know, not being a fanboy or anything, but I took that picture back to Evan. That's what I was trying to do. And he thought, he was like, no way. I got to go find him. I got to go find him. Uh, so it was, it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I didn't know anything about Chris D'Elia until I met, uh, until I, I heard it from Evan Wick. He's hysterical. And uh, he's hysterical. He's, he's about as goofy as they get if you watch his Instagram videos. But I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. And I saw that and I had to ask. So I think that's cool that. You know, your, your social isn't all just about, you know, wrestling or whatnot. It's about life, too. Um, yeah, it was definitely then, by chance. It was definitely by chance. And, uh, you know, last question. It's, it's what we always wind down with is, you know, if you had to look back and just kind of talk about how has wrestling changed your life and shaped who you are today? Like, how, what are some of the things you've distilled out from it over the years? Oh man, it's changed my life in every which way. I'm not sure where I would be without wrestling. Um, I certainly probably would not be in Wisconsin, and uh, it's it's definitely taught me the it's taught me to be the man I am today. And it's been a great extension of what my parents instilled in me from a young age. Um, and wrestling has taught me to be a good person. My parents always taught us to be good people, be a good person, treat people how you want to be treated give your best effort. That's all you can ask for. And if you have an opportunity, take it and run as far as you can take with it, you know, and especially in this thing called life, right? You got an opportunity in life to do something special to impact kids in this sport. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying, I'm in this sport because I love it and I love impacting these kids and I want them to have the experience that I had. And I want them to walk away with one heck of a degree from the university of Wisconsin and say, man, I did everything I possibly could in my career. I'm walking away with a degree and I'm hanging my hat where it is. And that's why I'm in the sport. It's changed me as a man. Um, and I, I'm trying to give back to these guys every single day. And it doesn't even have to be our wrestlers. I want our guys to, to love to be good people, be committed to being good people in the community, whether it's opening a door, man, or whether it's just telling somebody thank you for something, or whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, be a good person. When they see that, when they see you, and they see you coming and you're a Wisconsin wrestler, they know you are a good person. Um, that's what we're all about at Wisconsin. You're going to get our max effort and everything we do, and we're good people. Man, I'm going to run through a wall night route right now, Coach. So I think that's the perfect way to sign off. It's been a, a lot of fun chatting with you leading up to this, and I look forward to continuing the friendship. And I know Coach Bono's tossed it out there. You've tossed it out there. My brother and I are coming up to Madison for a weekend, and we're just going to record and watch you guys and take clips and just have a great time, man, because we're fans of the program and can't wait to watch what you guys do this year. I appreciate the sport, man. You won't regret it. Let us know. We can't wait for you guys to get here. Awesome, man. Take care. Have a great day. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.